Thank you, Pastor Rob. It is uh, great to be here with you in Port Lincoln with uh, my extended family, uh, the body of Christ. But uh, yeah, Santo Stefano is almost, almost family. Uh, we, we go back uh, a long time, uh, back when uh, in Melbourne, I lived in Melbourne for a little while and got to know the Santo Stefano family. We were at the same church. Uh, my dad was their family pastor. And, um, and their younger brother saved me, uh, saved me from dying. We ran around to their place for, uh, for lunch, first time around there, and uh, served up this amazing pasta. And um, it, I thought it was the main meal. I think it might have been the entree because it was just huge and it was delicious and massive. And I just finished the last of that big bowl of pasta and Mrs. Santo Stefano comes over and she's in her good Italian way, starts to pile up my my plate, and um, her, her youngest son, my friend there, is just go, Mom, need to stop, you'll kill him. He's a skinny white boy. <laughs> so I'm very thankful for uh, the, the brother of uh, Rob, Pastor Rob, because he saved my life. But uh, it's, it's great to be here. Uh, so yeah, my name's Dean. I've been married for 20, uh, I think two years. I, 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 it's getting now to the point where I've got to count. Uh, to Lisa, uh, my wife, who I met at college. We are, we are officially bridal college uh, couple, and that's why I still work there, because uh, I'm indebted to the college. But there's my uh, family, four kids. Uh, and so we uh, moved from Sydney to Mount Barker, serving the Mount Barker Church. Uh, and so my wife uh, can't be with me this morning, because she serves on team there, running a kids program at Revival City Church, Mount Barker. But uh, our church, Pastor Phil and Pastor David, graciously allow me to come and visit the church and, and serve our, our church, wider church across this state. I am part of Alpha Crucis University College. Alpha Crucis University College is our national Bible college uh, of the ACC. We've been around this year 75 years. So that means we've been training men and women to uh, step into the call of God for 75 years across this nation and going into around the world. And uh, that's what I love about what I do, yet to uh, help train and equip men and women to go out and serve God uh, in their capacity, to, to step into their calling. Uh, we have courses uh, in ministry, theology, but also in business, leadership, education, counseling, chaplaincy, community engagement, uh, and more from certificate level right through to uh, doctoral studies. And the best thing about what we do is, uh, one, we do have a campus here in South Australia, although it is a little bit of a travel for, for you. It is in Adelaide. Uh, but what can serve you is all of our courses are available online. And that's the beauty of what we want to offer and how we serve our church globally nationally is that we can help you be equipped right here in Port Lincoln. So as Pastor Rob hinted, if you have ever thought about doing some study, particularly in, in the uh, area of ministry and leadership, uh, we'd, I'd love to talk with you. I know even uh, you know, Pastor Rob and Pauline would, uh, Pastor Pauline would uh, have a chat with you as well about what can take place uh, here in Port Lincoln. But there could be another area because God's call just isn't to just here to serve in this building, God's call can include being a teacher, can include being a successful businessman or woman. And so whatever that area might be, if you feel, hey, listen, I'd like to be equipped in, a, in an area that God is calling me into, come and have a chat to see what courses we have available and how we can help equip you right here in Port Lincoln. 
Well, we're going to uh, turn to 1 Timothy. So if you've got your Bibles with you, although it will be on the screen, we'll be turning to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I pray that as we uh, begin to read your word, that you would speak to us through your word this morning. Speak through me. Uh, reveal Jesus to each and every one of us, I pray, by your Holy Spirit. Amen. 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 16. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to to him be honor and might forever. Amen. I remember as a kid, my parents got myself and uh, my sister together and uh, all got dressed up and uh, put in the car. And uh, we drove down the car to the docks uh, to where the royal yacht was docked. The queen was in town. And uh, so they wanted us to be able to see the queen in person. And so there we are, we got all dressed up, and I think I might have splashed on some aftershave, I don't know. Uh, and we drove on down, parked the car, and then hurried off to the queue to get a good position by the gate so we could see the queen as she exited the, the, the boat, the yacht, to head off to a meeting. And uh, we waited there and waited, and eventually we saw the lights come on, and then out came the Rolls Royce, I think it was, and down the ramp and along the road, and then it comes past the crowd. And as it comes past the crowd, the car slows down. And as in good queen fashion, the light inside goes on. And there it was, the royal wave. And we received, we were recipients of the royal wave in person. Well, we waited around. So she was in that car by herself. And Prince Philip, Duke of, Duke of Edinburgh, he was in the second car to come. Uh, but he, was, for some reason, held up just a little. So my parents decided to take us back home because it was getting late. So I think we might have had school on the next day. So we walked back to our car. We're just back to our car. And as we get there, I turn around and I see the Duke of Edinburgh's car coming down out of the yacht and down the street. And it approaches down. It's coming down to where we parked our car. And as they get close to us, I jump out in the middle of the road and wave my hands at this coming car, royalty. Probably lucky there was no like secret service police around uh, at that time. And so I wave this car. And after getting ushered back by my parents, Prince Philip's car comes up to where I was. It slows right down. The light goes back on. And for me, for me alone... The Duke and Barabara goes, I got a very special wave from him, his highness himself. There was expectation with royalty coming to town. There was preparation. What would we wear? How would, how would, where would we go? What would the path they would take? What would they arrive in? 
And uh, where would they sleep? So they were staying in the yacht at that time. What will they wear? What will they drive in? What road will they go down? There was a, a lot of preparation and expectation in the appearing of royalty uh, to this special event. See, this is the feeling and emotion Paul is trying to capture in relation to the story in, in when the emperor would come to town. And Paul draws on this language when he talks about the appearing or the return of Christ. He uses that word appearing, deliberately using the word which in that time, in that first century, that word appearing was associated to when the emperor came to town. And so Paul's using this language deliberately declaring that the true emperor or the only uh, ruler that we need to be concerned about is the one who will be appearing soon, the returning king, Jesus Christ, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings and lord of lords. He is the true ruler, the sovereign lord, the one king. He's the real and returning king. In mentioning uh, in Christ's return, there is two purposes in the appearing of royalty to a town. One is to prepare yourself. Get ready for the king is coming. How do you prepare yourself? You clothe yourself. Put on the clothes fitting for royalty coming to town. And the second thing in the context of the first century when the emperor would come to town was then a call to service. Who will serve the emperor and fight in his army? And so Christ is calling who will step forward and fight in the Lord's army. Tom Wright, a world-renowned New Testament scholar, he says this, You must get in shape, both be ready for when the king appears and to enlist in his service during the present time. Now Jesus is summoning people to fight in his army. Though this battle is not one involving weapons or killing, but love, patience and gentleness it is the noble battle are you ready for the noble battle this is the mission of the man and woman of God in this section in Timothy which we are reading it's a drawing to a close in this letter to Timothy Paul is directing Timothy to distance himself from the false teachers who would come in to the church and encouraging Timothy to continue in the Christian faith. Timothy is to fight the good fight, fight the fight of faith, fight the noble battle. Now, Timothy was sent to Ephesus, this town where Paul went earlier in Acts 19 to declare the gospel. And when, gospel, uh, when Paul went there and, and proclaimed the gospel, there was many signs and wonders we can read in Acts 19. And it says that many believed and burned their sorcery books. Luke records in our Acts that it was 50,000 drachmas worth of sorcery books being burned. And we all know what that is worth. No, it's, it's one drachma is worth one day's wage. So in today's understanding, that's roughly over $12 million worth of books. That's a big library. That was the result of the revival taking place in this town, Ephesus. And it wasn't just every, it says sorcery books. This town was aware of the supernatural. See, this town was the home of, the, of Artemis' temple, 
the great Artemis, who Demetrius, uh, you maybe you may remember the story. He was the blacksmith who, who caused that riot against Paul because there were so many conversions taking place. People were no longer buying their little statues in honor of Artemis. So this blacksmith was stirring up problems. There was a very strong stronghold, spiritual stronghold over this place in Ephesus. This is the place where Paul writes his letter to the Ephesians. And Ephesians is where we read about the spiritual armor of God. The spiritual battle requirements, uh, equipment for the noble battle. And he says here in uh, chapter 6, verse 12 of Ephesians, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but is against rulers and against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. As part of the spiritual battle, the false teachers had come into this church and were leading the people astray, causing problems, causing dissension, causing arguments, causing uh, people to be misled. And Paul is writing to Timothy to encourage him to keep the faith. And just as Paul is writing to Timothy, I believe so the Spirit is writing to us today. We need to be ready for battle, ready for the noble battle, ready to fight the good fight, hold firmly to eternal life in God, the eternal life to which God has called us, the eternal life to which we confess before many witnesses. Just as Paul charges Timothy, the Spirit charges us today to keep this command without wavering. And that command is to embrace all that Paul instructs Timothy, but also some points I want to draw out of verse 11. Verse 11, but you, man of God. This is a declaration, it's a proclamation, it's a confession stating that which is true. Timothy, you are a man of God. This term man of God is only used twice in the New Testament, both by Paul in his letters to Timothy. But man of God is used several times in the Old Testament. We see it described of Moses. Moses is a man of God in Deuteronomy 33. Samuel is declared a man of God in 1 Samuel 9.6. David is called a man of God in 2 Chronicles 8.14. I love this, that he is declared a man of God in 2 Chronicles 8. This is after David had died. And many of us would be aware of the mistakes David made. Very significant public mistakes. Even in his mistakes, his past, he is declared a man of God. Elijah is called a man of God of God. In 1 Kings 17, we read the story where the king, Isaiah, however you pronounce that name, uh, sends off to, uh, to get Elijah. He sends his commander to go get Elijah. And the commander rocks up to him and says, man of God, come and see the king. And Elijah goes, if I'm a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you. Fire comes down and consumes the commander and his 50 men. A second commander is sent. Man of God, come. And Elijah, if I'm a man of God, fire comes down. The king sends a third. Man of God, please wait, just wait. Elijah seemed to be struggling with his identity. 
And if you know a bit more about Elijah, you also know Elijah got to a point where he ran away and hid himself in a cave. Running away going, woe is me, I need, I, I'm, I'm all afraid of what's going on. He got to the point where he asked God to take his life. Now, if I was talking to someone today displaying some of those characteristics, I, I'd be thinking there were some emotional challenges. There was a mental health condition taking place in this person. That's very real today. We, we, we understand it's very public and people talk about the mental health challenges that people face. And I just read that and I go, I wonder if, if this is what Elijah was going through. And what I love about this, even in Elijah's struggles, God still declared, man of God, man of God. You may be struggling with mental health issues. I want to encourage you this morning, God is greater. He is bigger and greater than what you are facing or what you are thinking or what you are feeling. And if he declares Elijah a man of God, he declares you a man or woman of God. Paul is contrasting Timothy to the false teachers and declaring him as who he is, as a man of God affirming who he is. This is Timothy's starting place, his identity in God. Timothy is a man of God. Now, Timothy, Timothy had a Greek dad and a Jewish mother. It tells us in Acts 16. Now, you've got to realize the significance of this. Timothy was the child of a mixed race marriage. In general, Jews did not appreciate intercultural marriages. It was frowned upon. Now, Timothy the Greek, who was not circumcised, therefore he was not fully accepted by his mother's Jewish family. We read later on about Timothy and Paul encouraging Timothy that he'd been brought up in the ways of the Lord. Therefore, Timothy the Greek, Jew Greek, didn't participate in the activities of his Greek friends. I imagine there would have been some challenges going on there with him not being fully accepted as one of them because he didn't go to the temple festivals as everyone else. Paul, before Christ, Saul, as a strict Pharisee, would never have associated with Timothy would never have chosen Timothy. But here's what I love about the gospel. Here's what I love when Jesus comes into someone's life. Paul, as a Christian, Paul as one who is filled with the Spirit of God, he writes in Galatians 5 that there is neither Jew nor Gentile Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male or female. You are one in Christ Jesus. Paul goes as far as declaring Timothy, who is born of a Greek and a Jewish um, parents, that he is one of his sons who, whom he loves. Timothy, the half-caste, was declared a man of God. Just alongside Moses, Samuel, David, and Elijah. This was his starting place. This is our starting place. Knowing who we are. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. This is who we are. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords. While our identity as a person is connected to our past, it is determined by our future 
as we look forward, as we look forward to the coming, the appearing of Jesus Christ when he returns. We look forward in hope for Jesus to come back. And as we look forward and step forward, we are being transformed each and every day into the image and likeness of Christ. We are being equipped, being prepared to serve him until the day he returns. Who you are is not dependent on where you come from or the color of your skin. Who you are is not based on your self-esteem. Who you are is not determined by what you've done in the past. Who you are is determined by whose you are and where you are going and who you're becoming. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You belong to God. To say man and woman of God is possessive. We belong to. We belong to God. We are of God. I like how one commentary describes this. In belonging to God, we are one who's been endowed with the Spirit of God and hence forth serves God. As a man and woman of God, you're endowed, gifted, filled with the Spirit of God. And one who is filled with the Spirit of God, you're empowered to serve. Serve one another humbly in love. Serve the body of Christ. Serve one heart church. Serve the global church. Serve each other. Serve the people in Port Lincoln. This is part of the mandate of a man and woman of God. You are a man of God, a woman of God. Don't let your past dictate who you are. Don't let the world manipulate your identity. Don't let your emotional condition control who you are. Who you are is found in our Creator and God, our Father, revealed through Jesus Christ, one who is filled with the Spirit of God. You are a woman of God. You are a man of God. This is who you are. Point number two in verse 11. But you... Man of God, flee from all this. The verse reads, run from these things. What are these things? Paul writes about some of these things earlier as evil, the evil things that the false teachers were bringing into the church. We are to flee from evil. These false teachers were bringing in uh, arguments, causing trouble. They were corrupt as they're coming in the church. A man of God flees from these things. A man of God is filled with the Spirit of God. And as such, having the Spirit in them, they flee from those things of the flesh. Paul writes about those things of the flesh in Galatians 5. For the acts of the flesh are obvious. Like I said, they're obvious. We know what these are. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, fractions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Flee from these things, is Paul's instructions. Those who live according to the flesh, according to the evil, will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is not the way of the man or woman of God. Paul reminds Timothy, and it's a reminder for us today. 
We who are men and women of God are to flee from such things, run away from those things. You know, I've just mentioned a few. And Paul says in Galatians, and the like, there are many things we could talk about. And we all know what those things are. Because when we start to get close or make decisions or something happens that we know it's not of the Spirit, but of the flesh, the Spirit starts to churn inside going, this ain't right. I I shouldn't be here. I I shouldn't be engaging in this conversation. Back when I was in high school, I got invited to birthday parties. And there was one in particular that uh, I was invited to. And as I was preparing for it, I could sense my, my parents, they didn't want me to go. They thought, nah, this isn't the place for our son. But they were gracious enough and, and wanted me to learn through it. And so they were allowing me to make a decision. So I'm going, yep, and I got all dressed. We got in the car and we, we drove off to where the party was. And as we got to the party and drove in there, I just felt something. And I said to dad as I got there, said, yeah, dad, listen, I'm not meant to be here. Let's go home. I listened to the Spirit. The Spirit was doing something and saying, this is not the place for you, Dean. Listen to the Spirit. As a man and woman of God, we have the Spirit in us. We need to listen to the Spirit and obey the Spirit. That's the role. That's what a man and woman of God does. Listen to the Spirit. Obey the Spirit and flee from evil. You are a man and woman of God. This is our identity. That's our starting place. A man and woman of God flees from evil. Point number three in verse 11. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Pursue righteousness. Flee is immediately followed by pursue, chase after. Now, literally, the text reads this in all of the words. You, but, O man of God, from these flee, pursue, and righteousness, godliness, faith, love, durance, and gentleness. Timothy isn't to run in any random direction. He is to run in the direction of these things of God, to chase after them, these things that Paul mentions. When you run a race, you don't just run in any direction. You run towards the finish line. My youngest son likes to play soccer, and this year I've been a referee. And so I've been out there on the pitch running around with him. And this one game we were playing, the, uh, playing this opposition team, and a young, young guy there, he didn't get the ball much. And now this moment, he got the ball. And little Johnny, the ball comes to him. And there he was with the ball. Like all the lights just begin to shine on Johnny. This was his moment. He then starts to dribble the ball. And he's going through. And it was as if everyone just stood still. As he's starting to dribble, he's dribbling around the opposition, running around and starting to hear, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. It was all focused on him. And as he started running, he's charging down the pitch. All of a sudden, the cheering on the sideline started to get more clearer and clearer. Johnny, Johnny, you're going the wrong way. Poor Johnny was so excited he wasn't going the right way. He hadn't turned around. He was going for the wrong goal. We need to flee and pursue chase after, go after those things of God, those things, righteousness and godliness. This is not an exhaustive list. There are many things we could pursue. In fact, in Philippians, Paul encourages believers to think on these things that are excellent and praiseworthy. In Philippians 4, 
uh, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on about such things. As Christians, we should be known for what we're pursuing and what we're for more than what we're against. Often we're known for what we're against rather than what we're for. We are for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We are for these things. We are for proclaiming good news to the poor. We are for proclaiming freedom for the prisoners. We are for recovery of sight to the blind. We are for setting the oppressed free. We are for proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. This is what we are for. There are so many things in the Bible telling us what we are for. Let's be known for what we're pursuing, what we're going after, rather than what we're against. Yes, we're against things. We are to flee evil, but rather let's be known for what we're for. We're for love. We're for community. We're for Jesus. This is who we are for. This list is a great starting place that Paul gives Timothy. They are the virtues, the values, the behaviors of a man, a woman of God. In pursuing these things, we are clothing ourselves, getting ourselves ready for the return of the king, putting on clothes fit for royalty coming to town. As Paul writes in Colossians 3.12, Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness, and patience. Pursue these things. Clothe yourselves. This is, what, this is the life of a man or woman of God. Pursue righteousness, right living. Pursue godly life, being in right relationship with God. Pursue faithfulness, living a life of trust. Your faith in God. I trust you, God. My faith is seen by how I behave and act in trust. Pursue love. Love is often linked to faith. John tells us what this love is like in 1 John 3.16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Is this the love that we pursue? Pursue endurance, patience, the ability to wait, not to be in a rush. A much needed behavior in today's instant society. I don't know about you, but often I do a lot of work on the computer and I'm accessing information from the other side of the world. I'm literally the other side of the world, and if I've got to wait more than three seconds, I'm starting to wonder what am I paying for. My fingers start to, oh, come on, come on, bit of patience there, driving to work. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know the Port Lincoln. I mean, you talk about, you know, traffic, but I, I haven't seen any traffic. <laughs> In Adelaide, there can be some traffic, and I've just got to remember Bible says I'm a man of God. Need to be a man of God in the car. Because sometimes that's hard. Patience. We need a little patience. And pursue gentleness or meekness. You know, often we associate this with the weak. 
Meekness and gentleness doesn't have anything to do with being weak. Rather, it is more about accepting his, and I like how it's his in capital God's, his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. It is opposite to self-assertiveness and self-interest. That's meekness. That's gentleness. This is a sample of list of what we are to pursue as men and women of God. We are to clothe ourselves from these, these things. As we flee from evil, we pursue these things of God. We chase after them energetically. We work at them. We choose again and again to live this way rather than that way. Ultimately, these are all the character of Christ. The writer of Hebrews instructs believers, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's throw off the clothes that will slow us down. Throw off the sin Throw off the evil, flee from evil, throw those things off. Then continues, let us run, run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Pursue Jesus, our pioneer, the one who was in the beginning. Pursue Jesus, our perfecter, the one who will come and make us all holy and finish everything. The Alpha and Omega. Pursue Jesus and you'll pursue all those characteristics Paul is talking about here that are worthy of a man, a woman of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Be intentional about putting on the clothes of righteousness. You can do it. You can do it. Why? Because as we started with, you are a man or woman of God. And as a man or woman of God, you have the Spirit of God in you, which gives you the capacity to be able to pursue these things, to be equipped to do these things. In this text, Paul writes, pursue righteousness godliness, faithfulness, love, patience, and gentleness, then fight! He ends with gentleness and then goes straight into fight. They seem to be at odds with each other. How can you go from gentleness into fight? This is the purpose of a man or woman of God. Once we know our identity, once we know who we are, we are to step into our purpose, that is to fight This isn't just any fight. This is the good fight, the fight of faith, the noble fight. It's not a fight of flesh and blood. It is a fight of the spiritual, a battle in the spiritual. There are many fights, many fights we could go after, but we are to fight the noble fight. Are you fighting the noble fight? Don't get distracted by all the worthless fights that are around. So many of them can lead us astray and take our energy as we're fighting this and that and and that and this. We need to fight the fight of faith, the good fight, the noble fight. Musicians, would you join me on stage, please? Jesus Christ is returning one day to be ready for his return, ready for the battle. And we are ready for the battle today. We need to know who we are. Know you are a man or woman of God, a spirit-filled servant of the Lord. As a man or woman of God, we need to flee from evil. 
turn our back on those things which are not of God and run away from those and then pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, patience, and gentleness. Clothe ourselves with these things of God. Go after them. Put on the clothing fit and worthy of a man or woman of God. This is how we, the men and women of God, are to fight the good fight. I don't know everyone here. And maybe some of you haven't stepped into that place of knowing who you are as a man and woman of God. And it starts by acknowledging Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Three simple things I think about is this, to how do I step into this place of knowing who I am in Christ? Well, one is to believe in Jesus. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ came down, lived on this earth, died on a cross, rose again on the third day, and is coming back again. He is coming back for His church. Second is to repent. Repent means to turn away. You were going your own way and saying, no, I now repent. I turn my back on my own way. I'm going to go this way. Flee. And then in that, you're pursuing. You're saying, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord, as my leader, as my Savior, and I'm going to pursue you. Believe in Jesus. Repent from your old life. Repent from sin and choose to follow Jesus. Accept him as your leader. Right now, as we close, I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes. And if you haven't accepted Jesus, or perhaps you have many years ago, and you know that you just drifted away, from Jesus being Lord in your life right now. Right now, we're in this moment. I'd love to pray with you. If you have not accepted Jesus publicly before, or you know you've drifted away, in this moment, I would love to ask you to put your hand up so we can pray with you. Is there anyone here right now? Is there anyone here to say, Dean, I'd like to accept Jesus into my life and step into that place of being a man or woman of God? Or you've drifted and you need to come back this morning. Anyone? Well, eyes are closed. Lift up your hands so I can pray with you this morning. Anyone here this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we close, I'll ask the musos to uh, lead us in a song. I'd love to pray with anyone who just feels they need a fresh touch of the Spirit. See, as a man and woman of God, we are filled with the Spirit of God. And sometimes we just need that affirmation, that encouragement, that refilling so that we can continue to be and do what is required of a man and woman of God. And if you need a fresh feeling this morning or a fresh touch, or perhaps, perhaps you're fighting a battle, you feel that it, you're on your own and you just need someone to be around you. I know myself and the, and the team here, the great pastoral team would love to pray with you this morning to let you know that you're not alone to affirm that you are a man and woman of God. Flee from these things and pursue. And as you pursue, allow God to lead you and give you victory in your life. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you declare that we are men and women of God, that your spirit is in us. Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you continue to help us to flee from those things and to pursue those things of you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Would you all stand, please? Just as the music.